0: More worthy than him, nobody more worthy. This is weird. I don't usually do this. I'm going to reference two movies today, which is kind of odd, but they just work so really well for this. (laughs) Have you seen the movie Up? Right, terrific movie. Right, like the first like few minutes of it are like the most epic love story that you'll ever see in your whole life, and they don't even talk, right? But it's this incredibly epic love story about this guy that you know meets the girl. I mean, you've seen the story, you know the whole thing, but the rest of the movie. The rest of the movie, I mean, some people would say that it's like this adventure where this guy goes to this mysterious island on this thing, but really what I see is a battle between the little guy and the big authoritarian guy. I mean, you know, if you've seen the movie, if you think back to it, I mean, the, you know, after it gets past the, the part about him and his wife and the, and the intro, you know, it becomes this battle between this guy that wants to keep his home and this, like, crazy giant corporation that's trying to force him to move out of his home and, and, and just to hand it over to them. And he refuses, man. He battles. And, and and you see them build this huge, like, big building, like, all around this little bitty old rickety house that this guy lives in. But, dude, that house means something to him. And, and they offer him all kinds of money for it, and they, they you know, they threaten him in all these ways. So it's kind of like we've been talking about the few last few weeks, like, the world will Make you all these promises if you'll give up on what's yours, right? And on the other end of that, the world makes all these threats if you're not willing to give them what's yours. They're making these promises for all these millions of dollars they're going to pay them. The whole time they're making all these threats that they're going to you know, cut the power off and eventually they're just going to force them to move out of and stuff and he'll have nothing like the whole time that they make all these promises and all these threats and yet his answer is still this it's not for sale it's not for sale for for sale doesn't matter what you offer me doesn't matter what you threaten me with it's not for sale and, and, you know, then this is not just something that happens in the movies. This is stuff that happens, um, like, all over the place. There's a famous story that happened in the 1920s. There was a family called the the Stenics or something similar to that. And, and they had this big battle with Macy's Department Store. And and Macy's wanted to build the biggest department store ever in the world. And they bought out this, like, entire block full of houses. And there was this one family that just wouldn't sell it. And Macy's was like, look, we'll give you, a like... Like four grand for this house, and Macy's offered them like three hundred thousand dollars. Which which back in the twenties was like a, a, a I mean I mean an amount of money that I can't even comprehend. And yet the family was like, look, no, this is our home. And they didn't, they did only they'd only lived there about 10, 12 years or so, but it because it wasn't like it was their family home, it was just their home. It's where they'd raise their kids. It's where they had their memories. It was their home, and they had just decided that it was their home and that they weren't going to give up on it. No matter how big that the offer get and no matter how vile that the threats got, they were not going to give their house to this giant corporation. But for all these stories of the little guy resisting the big guy, thousands more toward the big company just took what they wanted. Or the government just took what they wanted. Have you heard of a term called eminent domain? So basically it gives the government the opportunity to just come in and basically seize your property. Now they have to give you a price for whatever. But basically they can just seize what's yours if they want to use it for something that, that supports the public works. Right? And, and they just grab it and take it away from you. And they offer you some kind of cor- some kind of compensation. But... it, it it's, it's a crazy theory. And, and this has happened, you know, when, when they were building, like, government buildings, when they built highways, when they build airports. Uh, and, and all these things happen, and, and the government just swoops in and takes what it wants. Did you know they tried to keep us out here? Some, some of you don't. They try to keep us out of this building. Um, we went to the city council meeting here in Horse Cave, and, and we're just going there to, you know, tell everybody that we had bought this and, you know, all the, the mighty things that God wanted to do in this community and how we wanted to be a, a blessed as, as blessed a part of the community as we possibly could. We wanted to just pour in, you know, to Hart and Barron County and this whole area and do everything that we could to just facilitate just a work of God in here. And that we were so excited to take this building that was just falling to pieces because it has been abandoned and been sitting empty for like five years. And, and we were so excited. And, and Brent went with us, and it was just a really positive meeting. I mean, really good and well-received. And then after the meeting was over... They came up and, and somebody there, it wasn't everyone obviously, but somebody came up and handed us a document and was like, I think you need to read this. And I was like, okay, whatever. And I didn't think too much about it. And then later I got to reading it. And basically what it was is it was a covenant. It was a covenant between uh, the people that had run this theater and the federal government. What it said was that they would give this huge donation to be able to remodel this building. And basically, it's when they turned it from the barn into what it is now. Some of you guys that have lived in this community for a long time remember when it was like the barn facade outside? Yeah, Todd knows. I mean, some of y'all seen that. It was when they turned that to this more modern feature. And the government gave them a bunch of money. But there was a list of rules that they had to keep in order to be able to receive that donation. And part of that covenant said that there can be no religious activities that take place on this property ever, ever. And it was tied to the real property, not even to the building, but to the, prop, to the, the, the property that was zoned. And so even if we tore the building down and built a new building, it still said that no religious activities could ever take place on this property ever. And, and so basically we were in a contest, man, a war with the federal government over this facility, and, uh, you know, and I've told you guys this story before. I'll be quick about it. But, so I called the, the, uh, the organization agency down, in, um, down in Atlanta that oversees these contracts. And I was talking about, so what do we have to do to get out of this, man? Like, what do we have to do to be able to overcome this? And he was like, it's not going to happen. He said, it's not going to happen. He said, never in the history of the United States of America— Has a covenant like this ever been broken? He said, I need you to understand how much of my time and your time that you're wasting. This is not, it's not going to happen. It's never been done before. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just pray about it and we'll see what happens. And he said, you do that. He laughed at me on the phone like I was some kind of idiot. Laughed at me and hung up on me. And I was like, okay. Anyway, to make a long story short, we prayed and we fasted. And we prayed some more. And we got other people praying, and our whole congregation prayed, and we got other people from other churches praying, and we lifted up a hallelujah so high that it came right into the ears of the living God, and He spoke His word of freedom, and, and an actual listen to me, a literal move of Congress uh, took place, uh, and they had a special meeting, not the Kentucky Congress, but the United States of America Congress, uh, and word came back to me that the covenant had been broken, and we had been set free. Can Somebody say amen for the first time ever in the United States of America a covenant like that was dissolved by the power of the living uh, God can you say amen and then a while back uh, we had an event here and somebody offered us three times what we paid for this building that we would sell it to them once again We had to say, look, fellas, we love y'all in the Lord, and we're glad of what you're doing in our community. This is not a faith based thing, but a secular thing, but still, we're glad of what you're doing in our community. But we have to be real clear with you this gift that God has given us, this inheritance that we have received from the living God that we have fought for on our knees for years and years and years, that has been a tool of the gospel of Jesus Christ to see many know Him and experience Him, it's not for sale. I'm not going to make you stand today because I'm about to read a whole bunch of Scripture, okay? And, and, and I know we've got some people in here that would start getting wobbly and stuff. So just hang out. And, and I just want you, instead of standing today, uh, you know, to show your reverence for Scripture, I just want you to listen real close. Uh, we're in the book of 1 Kings in chapter 21. If you want to open your Bible and follow along, that's fine. Um, and, and that's good. Please do that. If you've got your Bible, 1 Kings, we're going to read the whole chapter because I need to tell you this whole story. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 21. Uh, If you don't have your Bible, we're going to put it on the screen. But what I really need you to do is just listen, listen to this story, okay? Listen. So this is what the Word of God says. Verse, uh, chapter 21, verse 1. Sometime later, there was an incident involving a vineyard belonging to Naboth the Jezreelite. The vineyard was in Jezreel, close to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And Ahab said to Naboth, let me have your vineyard. Mmm. Let me have your vineyard to use as a vegetable garden since it's close to my palace. In exchange I'll give you a better vineyard or if you prefer I'll pay you whatever it's worth. But Naboth replied, the Lord forbid. Say the Lord forbid. The Lord forbid, the Lord forbid that I give you the inheritance of my ancestors. And so Ahab went home sullen and angry because Naboth the Jezreelite said I'll not give you the inheritance of my ancestors. And he lay on the bed sulking and refused to eat. That reminds you of people in our day and age? And that's the king. And then his wife Jezebel. Oh, Lord, here we go. (laughs) Does that word mean anything to you? Well, this is the source of all that feeling you're feeling right now. And she earned it real well. His wife Jezebel came in and asked him, why are you so sullen? Why won't you eat? And he answered her, because I said to Naboth the Jezreelite, sell me your vineyard, or if you prefer, I'll give you another vineyard in its place. But he said, I'll not give you my vineyard. And Jezreel, excuse me, Jezebel, his wife, said, is this how you act as king over Israel? Get up and eat. Cheer up. I'll get you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. Uh-oh. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name. That's shady right there. Placed his seal on them and sent them to the elders and nobles that lived in Naboth's city with him. And in those letters she wrote, Proclaim a day of fasting and seat Naboth in a prominent place among the people. But see two scoundrels opposite him and have them bring charges that he has cursed both God and king. Then take him out and stone him to death. <laughs> Dang! So the elders and nobles that lived in Naboth city did as Jezebel directed in the letters that she had written to them. And they proclaimed a fast and seated Naboth at the prominent place among the people. Then two scoundrels came and sat opposite of him and, and brought charges against Naboth before the people, saying, Naboth has cursed both God and king. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death. Then they sent word to Jezebel, Naboth has been stoned to death. As soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned to death, she said to Ahab, Get up and take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite that he refused to sell you. He's no longer alive, but dead. When Ahab heard Naboth was dead, he got up and went down to take possession of Naboth's vineyard. And this is where it gets good. Then the word of the Lord came. Say the word of the Lord. No, say it like you mean it. Say the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Go down and meet Ahab, king of Israel, who rules in Samaria. He's now in Naboth's vineyard where he has gone to take possession of it. And say to him, this is what the Lord says. Have you not murdered a man and seized his property? Then say to him, this is what the Lord says. In the place where dogs lift up Naboth's blood, dogs will lick up your blood. Yes, yours. Ahab said to Elijah, so now Elijah goes down to the vineyard. And Ahab, and i got to sit this scene for you later, man. It's, it's, it's just awesome the way that I have envisioned it. <laughs> and Ahab said to Elijah, so you found me, my enemy. I have found you, he answered, because you've sold yourself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. And he says, I'm going to bring bring disaster on you. I'll wipe out your descendants and cut off Ahab from every last male in Israel, slave or free. I'll make your house like that of Jeroboam, son of Nabad, and that of Basha, son of Ahijah, because you've aroused my anger and caused Israel to sin. And also concerning Jezebel. Oh, yeah, by the way, you know that wife of yours, the shady one that's been chasing me and trying to kill me and whatnot, is doing all this crazy stuff to people. Yeah, the dogs will devour Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Dogs will eat those belonging to Ahab who die in the city, and birds will feed on those who die in the country. And the Bible says this in verse 25 There was never anyone like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, urged on by Jezebel, his wife. He behaved in the vilest manner by going after idols like the Amorites that the Lord drove out before Israel. Verse 20, but verse 27 shifts gears. And this really is the most powerful part of this scripture. When Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and fasted. And he lay in the sackcloth and went around meekly. And then the words of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Have you noticed how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself, I will not bring the disaster, this disaster in his day, but I'll bring it on his house in the days of his son. Can you say amen? Will you guys pray with me today? Father, we praise you and we worship you. Even in the midst of the storm, we praise you. Even when it seems like our whole life has fallen to pieces around us, we praise you, God. Even when it seems like we're under attack from every single side, still we praise you. Even when the enemy takes everything that we have or that we thought we had on the earth, God, still, still we praise you. And God, as best warriors and enemies bear down on us from every side, it's in you where we find our help. It's in you where we put our praise. And it is in you that we know that our future is guaranteed. We love you. We praise praise you in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Let's give God a shout of praise at the way church this morning. So King Ahab demands Naboth's vineyard demands it. He didn't, he didn't offer. He didn't make the offer to buy it first. The first thing he says, if you watch real close, he says, let me have it. Let me have it. Let me have it. Let me have this vineyard. And then if you do, then I'll compensate you for it. But the first things he says is let me have it. And he should give it to him, right? I mean, Nabal should give it to him, right? I I mean, this is the government authority speaking here. This is government authority claiming eminent domain. I mean, he says it's right next to my castle. It's right next to my palace. And and so I'm going to claim eminent domain over your property, and then I'll compensate you for it. I don't know, man. People keep telling me that the government authority is the main authority. He's claiming this guy's land. Let me have it, he says. Let me have it. Let me have it. Let me have it because it's convenient for me. And let me have it because it's a good deal for you. I'll give you a better one. I'll give you a better one. Or I'll pay you in gold. I'll give you whatever I need to give you. Just let me have what you have. And Naboth still says no. It's not for sale. Why? Why is it not for sale? The Lord forbid. You see, Naboth values the laws of God higher than any government authority that has ever set or will ever set on any throne anywhere. And the laws of God say this in the book of Le- Leviticus in chapter 25 verse 23. God said this the land must not be sold permanently because the land is mine and you reside in my land as foreigners and strangers. So whose land is it? Whose? It's God's land. It's God's land. This is the promised land that was given to Israel. This is the promised land that God had offered up to his descendants. This is the promised land. But it doesn't belong to Naboth, so he can't sell it. You know what else? Who do you belong to? Who do you belong to? If you belong to God, man, we sing that song, I belong to you. And if we do, guess what? We can't sell ourselves to the world because we don't belong to ourselves. And when the enemy and the government and the world and the culture comes and says, let me buy you at a price, uh, you can't sell yourself because you don't belong to you. Can you say amen? Yeah, give God praise for that, that we belong to him. My Bible says I was bought at a high price. Amen? My Bible says that I was bought at a high price. You know how much I cost? Every drop of the blood of Christ. That's what I cost. That's what you cost. That's what we were worth to God. Something's worth what we're willing to pay for. That's what determines what something's worth, what somebody's willing to pay for it. And the world might have told you that you're not worth nothing. And the culture might have told you that you're not worth nothing. And the authority figures Life might have made you feel like you're not worth nothing. But let me tell you something. My God said that you're worth everything, and he was willing to give up everything for you, his son, more valuable than the stars in the sky, more valuable than the culmination of all of creation. And he traded that son for you. For you, for you. You know what that makes you worth? More. More than the sum of all creation. That's you. That's you. And you may not feel that way today. But it's true. You know why? Because facts don't care about your feelings. Thank you Ben Shapiro for that word. Because truth is truth. And it doesn't matter how you feel about it. And you're worth everything to God because he was willing to shed his blood for you. And so Ahab is trying to get Naboth to sin against God by selling his inheritance from God. But Naboth's not willing to do that. He's not willing to do that at any price. He's not willing to do that to be able to circumvent any threat that comes against him. He's not willing to go against God for any promise that this earth could ever make. And man, how many of us are like that? not me but man I want to be like Naboth amen I want to be like that guy I want to be like that guy that can just stand in the face of all the threats that the world could muster because he knows who these people are you understand what I'm saying he knows who these people are. He knows that Ahab is the worst king ever to sit on the throne of Israel. The worst. The Bible says there was none as vile, none as bad. Like all the, like Basically, all the, with, with the exception of like two or three, all the kings of Israel were bad. This is the worst one. And Jezebel is 10,000 times worse than he ever thought about being because he's henpecked to this awful, terrible, brutal, evil woman. And she will do anything to destroy him. And he knows that. And still, he's willing to stand and receive the brunt of everything that they're going to try to throw at him. Naboth says, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my ancestors. But it's not just the inheritance of his ancestors. I need you to understand. It's the inheritance that came to him from God. From God. And so Naboth says, no. No. I, I, I'm not going to abandon the inheritance of the promises of God, and the world wants us to sell out, doesn't it? The world wants us to sell out, but we must do the same thing, and we we must say no. We must say no. We must say no. We're not for sale. We're not for sale. Not your law. God's law. We're not for sale. We're never going to sell out. We're never going to give up. We're going to fight until our last breath. We're going to keep fighting for what God has given us until Jesus Christ splits open that eastern sky and we don't have to fight no more. Can you say amen? (laughs) Naboth Naboth won't sell for any price because God because he values God's laws above the governing authority he values God's laws above anything that this world could ever offer but in comparison to that in comparison to that Ahab sells out with a quickness he's willing to sell out the calling that God has put on his life to be king he's willing to sell out his inheritance his future everything that God has given him to be able to bring about more earthly pleasures to bring about more of what the world has to offer. He's willing to give up his inheritance that God has offered him. Ahab sold out. He sold out with a quickness. Many, You know, give me this land. No, I won't do it. Oh gosh, and he goes and cries. He goes and cries like a big old baby. And then his wife is going to come fix it all for him. And, and they launched this crazy conspiracy theory that, that, that's going to wind up in this man's murder. And, 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 you know, because this peasant would dare to rise up against them, right? Because this peasant would dare to, to try to hold on to what God has given him in, in, in the face of their mighty, you know, governing authority. So Ahab sells his soul to Jezebel all over again. She hatches a plan to abuse the power that God has given them to get what they want what's up buddy and then they plant false witnesses and they create a false narrative and they double speak and they double think and they set him up and they don't give him a trial and they stone this guy in the street because he won't bow down to the authority and give them what they want and so they use their earthly power to destroy this man's life and they kill him and they take what they want and they won right did they they won right yeah? No? Because the big guy always wins, right? Well, ultimately, the big guy does always win. It's just some people don't realize who the big guy is. Can somebody say amen? And they took his life. Listen to me. They took his life, and they took his land. But some things are more or are worth more than life and land. Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick said this, there are things that are more important than living. And all the news media ridiculed him for saying that. And, and they talked about what an awful person that he was. And they talked about how he didn't value human life and all these things. And yet a truer statement has never been made. Because there are so many things that are worth so much more than this mortal life that we have on this side of eternity. Because if that was the case, If there was nothing worth more than this mortal life that I have, then Jesus Christ would have never marched himself all the way up Calvary's hill to hang on that cross and give his life so that we could inherit eternity. Can you say amen? There's some things that are worth a little more. Some things that are worth a little more. And so... As soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned to death, she said to Ahab, get up and take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite that he refused to sell you because he's no longer alive but dead. When Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, he got up and went down to take possession of Naboth's vineyard. And so Naboth goes to this vineyard to take possession of it. Now, now he's going to inspect this field uh, that, that's filled with his ill-gotten gains. And, and he's probably expecting a little bit of resistance. That's why he's going to take possession of it. Because see, there's still the workers. This was an active vineyard. There's still the workers there that owe their allegiance to Naboth, who was a wealthy guy. There's probably still some family members of Naboth hanging around that might offer a little bit of resistance. So, Nathan, so Ahab goes to take possession of of this field of blood that he has gotten by this nefarious scheme that he has launched and murdered the man that owns it. But when he gets there, he's not expecting what he finds. I can just see it in my head. I need you all to see it the same way that I did. (laughs) So Ahab goes down to this field, and, and he's all happy and got this smug look on his face, and it's this huge contrast from where he was before when he was sulking and crying and hanging out in his bed because he thinks that he has won. You know, and the agents of the enemy are always like that, aren't they? They cry and moan and squeal with their tails between their legs when they think they've lost. But when they think they've won, chest goes out, chin goes up. They start talking real loud. And so he went down there to take possession of his vineyard that he has now earned because his wife sent a letter and got a guy murdered. And so he goes to take possession. And he walks on his vineyard and he's looking around and he hears something behind him. And he's thinking, oh, it's one of these peasants that I'm about to put down. And he turns around. Now look, I need to set the scene for you here, Okay. I need to set the scene for you. Have you seen Tombstone? So, so you know that there was this war between the cowboy gang and, and Wyatt Earp and his marshals, right? And, and, and so they've been having this war back and forth over all this land and what's going to happen in it. And, 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 and you know, the, the, the marshals and the good guys have kind of started winning, right? But, but Johnny Ringo has this plan. So he challenges Wyatt Earp to a duel. Right? Because he knows that Wide Herb can't beat him in a duel. And he figures if I take out the leader, then all of a sudden they'll crumble and we'll be able to continue to take what we want and do what we want. And so he's standing, he challenges Wide Herb to this duel. And he's standing out there waiting for him and he sees this figure in the trees, right? He sees this figure in the trees and he's like, ha ha, I'm about to win this whole war. I'm about to sit this thing right. I'm about to take possession. Of this land and then all of a sudden the figure kind of comes into the light and Doc Holliday says I'm your huckleberry (laughs) and with those few simple words Johnny Ringo sees his death you hear what I'm saying he sees his death because he knows he can't beat Doc Holliday. He knows that there's nothing that he can do, that there's nothing that he can do now to overcome the situation that he's gotten himself into. And so Ahab is down here on this piece of land that that he's taken possession of, and he hears something, and he turns around, and he sees Elijah. And that's not who he was expecting. Elijah that calls fire down from heaven. Elijah that speaks the word and the dead come to life. Elijah that says rain, stop falling. And for three years, there's no rain that falls on the land. Elijah that says let it rain. And rain starts falling like a torrent. Do you hear what I'm saying? He turns and sees the man of God. You know what Elijah means in the Hebrew? My God is Yahweh. His name means my God is Yahweh. And and so Ahab turns and he sees Elijah. And he says, my enemy, you have found me. And Elijah says, I found you because you sold yourself to do evil. And with those few words, Ahab sees his death. With those few words, Ahab sees his death, and he knows that there's nothing that he can do to escape it. S- some of you have heard the story that, that precedes this by just a little bit, where, you know, you know, Elijah calls down fire from heaven, consumes the offering, and then has all the prophets of Baal slain. You guys know that story, right? If you don't, I'll on it about three or four times a year probably. <laughs> But then right and 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 crazy miracles, and he brings the rain back to the land, and everybody's like, Man, God Yahweh is the God of Israel, praising him. And then after that, Jezebel sends a letter, sends a message to Elijah saying, Look, I'm gonna kill you. And Elijah runs and hides. And then we've heard that story, and, and I've always wondered why, like, why in the world can this powerful man of God, why is he hiding? Why is he hiding from this woman? And and now he's back. And God finally showed me what happened. The reason that he ran away first is because he didn't have a word for Ahab and Jezebel yet. He didn't, have a, he didn't have a word for them. And see, Elijah's the man of God. If he don't have a word, he don't have anything. If he don't have a word, he's, he's, he's weaponless. If he doesn't have a word, he doesn't have anything. And so that's why he ran, because God had not given him a word for them yet. And, and if God didn't give him word, then he's not got anything to give them. And so all he is is himself. And he knows that as himself, he can't stand against Ahab and Jezebel, because he's just a man, because God hadn't given him a word yet. But when God gives him a word, When God gives him a word, he knows that there's nothing that can stop him. When God gives him a word, he becomes weaponized. When God gives him a word, he knows there's no wall he can't bring down, no demon he can't topple, no kingdom that he can't overcome because the word of God is power. And when you have the word of God, you've got everything that you need. Can somebody say amen? Yeah, give him praise for that one. He didn't have a word because God hadn't spoken a word over Ahab and Jezebel yet. If you're feeling powerless in your life, if you're feeling powerless in your life over any kind of situation, it's just because you don't have a word from God for that situation yet. But listen, Elijah didn't have a word because it hadn't been spoken. If you don't have a word for whatever situation you're going through in your life, it's just because you ain't found it yet because everything you need is right in here. It's right in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't have a word over your situation, it's just because you ain't opened the book and looked for it. Can somebody say amen? Because every word that has needed to be spoken has already been spoken. Can somebody say amen? And so if you need a word, you need to get in here and find it because it's in here. And then when you get that word from God to speak over your life and your situation, you'll be just like Elijah rolling into that situation like Doc Holliday, rolling up on the demons, rolling up on the world, rolling up in there like, I'm your Barry. Say, say when. Say when because I've got it right here. Say when. Because when you are armed, when you're armed with the Word of God, when you're armed with the Word of God, whatever enemy is staring down on you has already heard and experienced its death. Can you say amen? Because there's nothing that they can do to stop you. There's nothing that they can do to overcome you when you're armed with the Word of God. I like this you see Naboth wasn't for sale and Ahab sold out but Elijah came to collect can you say amen (laughs) and Elijah's not running no more cause he's got a word now he's not running no more cause he's got a word now and when you unsheathe the word and you wield the word you can win any war can you say amen you can win any war (laughs) and he says Ahab you will be destroyed but not just you all the inheritance of God that you were to pass down that's going to be destroyed too your name your, your family line will be cut off will be cut off from the tree from the lineage of Israel and everything that you could have gotten everything that you could have poured out is gone Because Naboth wasn't willing to sell, and you sold out to take what he had. Oh, yeah. And you know that wife of yours? That old Jezebel that keeps on messing with me and sending people to kill me and doing all this crazy stuff? Yeah, dog's going to eat her, bro. Have a nice day. And Elijah prophesied the destruction of the most vile and evil government that had ever governed over Israel. But then something totally unexpected happens. The Bible says that Ahab tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and mourned and repented of all his vile deeds. And God said to Elijah, "Hey Elijah, do you see how Ahab has repented and thrown himself on my grace? Well, because of that, I'm going to pour my grace out on him. What a good God we serve." God has not come to drive a sword through our hearts, but just to drive us to our knees. He doesn't seek our destruction, just our repentance. Just our repentance.